What's up, guys, and welcome back to Sensibly Loud Radio. It's your main man, J-Mac, here on this amazing Thursday evening, and I'm here with B-Easy Brandon. Good evening, sir. Good evening, Justin. How's it going, man? Good, man. Welcome back. Feels like, I guess it's been like a week and some change, something like that? A little bit, yeah. Um, you know, we're always busy with our company as well as uh, life abroad, and it's it's just been a little difficult trying to you know, find time to, to sit down with you. So, man, I know it. We really, with me. dude, I know we really have struggled to find a time this week. And just with all the other shows and everything going on, we only can book so much studio time at a time. And there's just so much that goes on with it. So, I'm glad to be back. Bottom line, lots of great stuff to talk about, man. I've been real fired up in the last couple of days. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we've been texting back and forth. And yeah, I've gathered that. I've, I've had a, a bit of a, fiery time as well but as as things go as the the seasons change absolutely man i've been i mean i've been blogging the shit out of everything but i feel like i've been hate blogging everybody and just you know taking people down but i i don't know i'm just trying to get out there more with everybody you know what i mean so it's it's worth just pouring the true emotion into it right yeah yeah absolutely people want to feel my hatred (laughs) i think that's that's clear at this point right (laughs) <laughs> whatever whatever uh you know gets you going the numbers right? would say that that's true because every time i'm fired up everybody seems to come alive somehow or another yeah well you know it's a very unfiltered look and i think people respond to unfilteredness as opposed to bs uh plastic stuff but they really seem to like to light me fired up and i don't know why that is but whatever <laughs> it's fine it doesn't matter maybe i just let myself get fired up or maybe it's just because i fucking own the company i don't know some some weird you know mix of the two probably Ever since I've known you, you always get fired up. So, yeah, you know, I'm a fire it's just part guy. of your personality. Yeah, it's just one of those things, right? Yeah. Yeah, man. What, what's been going on with you? Oh, uh, a little bit of everything. Um, you know, trying to plan, trying to figure out, you know, vacation time, stuff like that this year. Uh, catching up on some TV shows, some movies that have come out. So a little bit of, a little bit of all the above. We're going to book the outfielder trip here in like a week. I think that's right. Yeah. Yeah, That's going to be a lot of fun. We made one last change. We're going to Denver. That's period. That's happening. Nice. Yeah. Can't wait. It's going to be star Wars night at the Rockies game. When we go, it's going to be amazing. Those shirts that they're giving out are awesome looking. Yep. Hopefully uh, fantastic weather, all that stuff. Oh yeah, dude. Colorado in the summer is just gorgeous. So can't wait for that. So always good to get travel on the books. Never complain. Never complain with that at all. Other than the fact that I travel all the goddamn time. It feels like, yeah, yeah, it kind of seems that way. Dude, I know. It feels like I'm always having to be somewhere for something or another. It just never stops. And I guess it's probably going to get worse. But, you know, it's well worth it. I mean, I can't complain about us going to Denver to watch baseball. Yeah, that's going to be fun. So we're going to do, uh, we going to go to one game or two games? I think we're going to try to go to two is kind of the plan. It's just going to depend on what time we can get in and all that stuff. But I would like to go to the Friday and the Saturday game if we could and kind of go from there. Even if we took in... There's a possibility we could maybe take in the day game Sunday, or, you know, at least half of it or something, and then take off. I don't know. We'll see. We'll figure it out. Yep. So we're going to have Sam there, Ben, uh, possibly Jimmy. Possibly Jimmy. I've heard that. I don't know if uh, he's working it out right now, but I've heard that he could possibly making be making an appearance. The good news is Jimmy Midtown will be on the next episode of The Outfielder because on Saturday we're going to record the season preview episode where we go through all of our picks for the year. So we have a big spreadsheet, which, uh, man, this is one of my favorite things of the week. So 
I asked Ben, I tasked him with making up an Excel spreadsheet that lays out all the divisions and everything and the number of wins. And so that way we could each fill out a tab and put, you know, our teams in order and then the number of wins. And that way, and then, you know, who's going to come out of the division, who's going to come out of the divisional all the way up to the World Series, who wins the World Series by how many games. And we do that. We did that last year. We're going to do it again this year. And so we decided we should do it, not me just writing things down on a notepad, but that we're going to actually, you know, keep some actual records. So I tasked Ben with coming up with an Excel spreadsheet for this. Make sense? Makes sense. Yeah. And since Jimmy's coming on and everything, I wanted to make sure we get it to him in time. And so I said, hey, uh, so I asked Ben, I was like, how are we doing on the, the Excel sheet? He said, it's, it's done. I'll email it to you and Sam and Jimmy tomorrow night. So it's great. So it was last night. So all of a sudden in, in my inbox, I get an Excel spreadsheet. And it's Ben. And he says, hey, you know, here's the, the spreadsheet, uh, number of wins, all that. Basically, you know, telling me, this is uh, this is the the final version of it, right? And Sam just responds with Excel. <laughs> what is this fourth grade? <laughs> and, uh, and and that's all it said. And I, dude, I'm rolling laughing because I was like, <laughs> I should have expected something like that, right? Right. And, and then like four. And this is the beauty of knowing Sam because Sam is always. Uh, like strike with an iron fist and hand you a flower. It's kind of the best way I've always described it. So yeah. like he'll hit you in the fist with making fun of you about Excel, and then the flower was his next response, which was, "LOL, just kidding. Good work, Ben." <laughs> but it took four <laughs> minutes before he realized that was probably an asshole thing to say. <laughs> right, right. Especially if Ben had put like a pie chart together and yeah. all this other stuff. Yeah, no, it's nothing like that. But it was still just. Uh, surge green for this and cornflower blue for that. Right, exactly. And so uh, he was, and so Sam was like, and and so Sam finally emailed back another time was like, I just threw it into to pages. So anyway, it's all streamlined now. It was great. Everybody did good work, but it was it was so funny. And I was like, that is the essence of knowing Sam, if I've ever seen it. Yeah, it really yeah. is. Such an asshole. But uh, dude, so something. I've had several run-ins with public transportation in the last couple of days. Things that are just kind of unbelievable. And I I haven't said anything. I was gonna wait to tell you about it on the show because I didn't want to kill the content. Oh yeah. So we talking about like traffic in general or well, uh, two things have really happened, and neither of them are that similar. All right. So, I, I imagine this was uh, when you went to the Mavs game. Uh, before that as well. So okay, I'll tell you about these in order. So on, what was it? I guess this was Monday on Monday. I had to travel somewhere, and so I got back Monday. And it was a day trip, long story short. And I got back, and I Ubered home from the airport. And, dude, have have you ever been in the car with just an absolutely crazy Uber driver? Oh, yeah. Dude, it's horrible, right? Yep. I, I mean, you feel like a hostage in the backseat of a car. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm in this Uber, right? And we're coming out of this... Like, we're coming around this corner, and he pulls into this parking lot. I'm not really sure why, because I think he had dropped his phone or something. And so he's picking up his phone or whatever, and he, you know, didn't seem weird or anything. It was just like, oh, real quick. He's looking for something. I think it was his phone. And instead of, like, turning out of the parking lot into the normal flow of traffic and then going up and turning around, he decides to do the thing where everybody hates, where you, every, you try to cross three lanes of traffic to go the other way. Oh, God. Yeah. Where you 
you get across, you stop in between the median and like the, the back part of your bumper yeah. is just inches away from yeah. traffic hitting it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So all of a sudden I look to my left and a Mack truck is coming towards us. Oh God. Honking the horn. And he's <laughs> wait like, dude, this guy is not even looking like this guy is watching traffic the other way. Like, you know, trying to turn. And I'm like, dude, dude, you know, Hey guy, you know, and I'm like hitting him on the shoulder and all of a sudden he just bursts out into traffic, you know, and like, and he like, you know, gets into, into the lane or whatever, but he like, you know, whips into this lane or whatever. Dude, this truck came so close to hitting us. Whoever oh, yeah. he, this guy, dude, I couldn't believe it. He turns around and looks at me and just goes, can you believe that fucking guy? <laughs> <laughs> that would happen to you. <laughs> and I was just staring at him. I was like, are you shitting me? You gotta be shitting me. Like you're judging that guy <laughs> after Man. what you just did. It, it was an unbelievable experience. That was the the closest I've ever come to being dead in an Uber. Period. Yeah, it, it seems like, uh, and just people in general do that. They just they always feel like, oh well, you know, the, I can make it. The, yeah, the traffic over here is going to stop for me, so it's fine. Dude, I if I were president or whatever, I would absolutely make that illegal. Yeah. It, it, there's no need for it for the most part. Just go circle the block real quick, man. It's not a big deal. Yeah, or just wait a few more seconds. And sure, you might have some impatient asshole behind you, but you know, like wait until the, enough traffic's clear to to cross over and then go to the next lane. Yeah, or just don't drive in Atlanta, and you don't have to worry about Sam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that was the first thing. It was really annoying. Okay. okay? So then this comes a couple days later. I go to the Mavericks game like you were talking about. And I always take the train. And I blog on the way there, typically. And so that's when I wrote that that uh, blog about James Dolan, the owner of the Knicks, who threw the, the fan out of the game and banned him for life. And mm. then sat there on New York radio the next day and tried to talk about how the Knicks are a good team and that they're, they're improving. They've won 14 games this year. Mm. 14. That's a really bad basketball team. And yeah. so I was... You know, I wrote this blog on the way there, and then all of a sudden the Le'Veon Bell news dropped about him getting signed to the Jets. And so Jason had written a blog, and so I had to edit that. And so I did that all the way there. You know, headphones in, didn't mind, just mind my own business. It's public transportation. You keep your eyes down. You get to where you need to go. It's easy, right? Mm-hmm. So on the way back, though, so they do this thing where it's a special game train. And I live in the middle between Dallas and Fort Worth. And so what happens is 20 minutes after the game for Mavericks and Stars games, there's a train waiting there, the, the one that goes to all the way to Fort Worth from Dallas. And, right. it, you know, it's like a special game train specifically for that. And so I get on the train, get a seat. I'm sitting there. It's just one of the, the seats that's like two seats. Just one next to me, right? And so this woman comes and sits down next to me. And she's got like a... Uh, like a shopping bag, like almost like a, a old school like Foley's bag or like a Penny's bag, you know, like that's like uh, paper. Foley's. Foley's, yeah, there you go. Yeah. It was a throwback. Um, was Foley's a thing here? Yeah, Foley's, okay. Mervin's, all that stuff. Mervin's? What was Mervin's? Mervin's was a California chain that was out here and I forget how far out, out east, but I mean, they were in Austin, all over the place. Huh. I'm surprised I hadn't heard about that from California. Anyway, um, you so, can ask Claire. She'll tell you all about it. Okay. So anyway, so it's like a paper bag, right? And it's full of towels. 
mm-hmm. they're like, it looked like, I mean, I didn't like stare. I mean, another thing, another uh, case in point, keep your eyes down. You know, I can't reiterate that enough. Uh, but, I, you know, you glance over and see whatever. And so <laughs> it's like, but it seemed like full, like clean, ta- you know, it wasn't just like a bag of rags or anything like that. And she wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like it was a homeless person or anything like that. Right. It was right, just a normal right. passenger. And, you know, just, and I'm just sitting there doing something on my phone, you know, scrolling Twitter or whatever. And she is, she doesn't say anything like, you know, mine's her, her business too. And all of a sudden, it's like probably about halfway. So I literally live halfway. So like my stop is called Center Point. So it's like the center of, you know, the line. And so we get about two stops before this. And she just starts talking out loud to everybody and anybody. Mm. And she was like, oh, well, this train ends at this next stop. And you have to get off. You have to wait for the next one to pick you up and take you all the way to Fort Worth. Because the special train doesn't go all the way to Fort Worth, which is untrue, by the way. And I knew this. And I'm trying to ignore this. Trying my best to ignore it. And we keep, like, I keep like hearing her like spreading this and it just feels like like and like the main thing about it was that people around her started to panic and it <laughs> felt like people so time out for this for a second i'm from the city dude i realize that and i realize that n- most people especially in texas are far too nice to not listen to a stranger people are just too nice here like that's a a real problem like, it, it's what annoys me about driving in Texas is whenever you come to a four-way stop and people are trying to let you go, it's like, no, you have the right of way. I appreciate you acknowledging and being nice, but you have the right of way. Fucking go. See, I, okay, so I had that happen actually on the way home from work today. Okay. I stopped at a, at a four-way stop because I use this back road to get home. Sure. We only live 11 minutes away from work. Um, but <laughs> I'm at the stop. And I know full well that I should have had the right of way. Yeah. Um, but the way that I stopped and this other car stopped, like I stopped a little bit later than I should have. And this person was technically already stopped by like maybe two seconds. So they kind of sat there and I was about to go, but then I stopped and I was like, well, nah, I'll let this guy go. So when there's moments like that where both people kind of stop at the same time, there's a protocol of, for that though. Yeah, there's a, there's a protocol, but I felt like this person had already stopped and they stopped. I stopped past the line, so I was like, well, yeah, I kind of cheated the system here, so I felt nice and I let them go. See, and I get that. I understand that. I don't think that way. That's just not in my, like, I just, I'm from the... I, I usually don't either, but sometimes it just... There'd be a typical day, you know, yeah. just a, yeah, no, just for sure. Day, yeah. You know, and there are times, you know, obviously, like I hold doors for people and stuff like that. You know, like I, you know, it's not like I'm a complete asshole. I mean, there's, I mean, most of the time, and like you know, it's just one of those things where it, it's not being an asshole though. It's just being straightforward. Yeah, following protocol. Yes, yeah. and just and like and, and I think you know, it's just no bullshit. Like I don't really subscribe to that. But anyway, it doesn't matter. So. My whole point is, though, that there are just people that will listen to someone like that, even though, like, you're on public transportation. Like, why are you listening to a stranger? Like, if you look up the directions and everything, you know where it goes. 
but mm-hmm. I also can understand why it caused the panic that it did. Yeah. Right? All these people around me start panicking. Right now is is spring break for a lot of, of schools in the Dallas and Fort Worth area. So a lot of kids, a lot of families going to the Mavericks game. It was a Saturday. It was sorry, it was a Tuesday night, but everybody was out of school. Like just a lot of children. So there's a sense of uh, of what it, what would be the word gullibility? Yeah. Gullibility. Oh yeah, for sure. Like yeah. yeah. And just I would say more. Like here's the thing though, I do this all the time. They do this once every three or four years. Right. So and so I wouldn't expect them to like absolutely know. Uh, I, you know what I mean? I see both sides of it is my point. Yeah, it's like flying to the like going to the airport for the first time ever or you haven't flown in a long time and you're just like, oh, shit, what do I do? How do I check in? That yeah, kind of thing. I don't want to fuck anything up. You know, that's the right. point. And she just keeps saying. And so then she starts talking about how. Well, so there's two stops. Like so whenever she started talking about this, there were still two stops to go before mine. And she was like telling all these people around us like, oh, well, you're going to want to get off at this stop to wait because there's like a McDonald's and a Burger King and like, you know, the next train won't be along for 30 or 45 minutes, which makes no sense at all. Yeah. What is this? The 1800s? Dude, where's the special train going to go? Like, that's not (laughs) how this works, dude. And, you know, and I'm just sitting there like rolling my eyes, trying really hard not to pay attention, I might add, Mm -hmm. you know, and but I can't help it. Like, because I feel like these people are being fucking duped and like these people are like, yeah, like, Oh. I'm with you. It's it's oh man, yeah. Because it, it's listening to it right now. I'm I'm getting like your blood's a, boiling, right? Yeah, like uneasy. Like I can't sit still. Like you yeah. just want to correct somebody if they're being an idiot, right? And I'm like, and, and dude, just wait because this gets better. And so <laughs> anyway, so like we get to the first stop where she had suggested that everybody get off, which I assume she would get off at because she's the one that's been talking about this. She doesn't move. Mm. And all these people are like, uh, well, and you could tell they didn't really know what to do. So they were like, well, and so nobody ended up really for the most part, other than what it seemed like normal, like people that would be getting off at that stop were getting yeah. off. But they were still very, very cautious. You could tell. Mm. So then I look up and all of a sudden, like several of the families are like calling cabs. People are finding Ubers at the next train stop. People are like, looking at their the train schedule and maps on the other phone and like dude people are starting to like make contingency plans based on this batshit crazy woman next to me yeah and i'm like i'm getting to the point where i'm like this is fucking ridiculous you know and so like and i was like i said couldn't try harder to ignore it but couldn't ignore it (laughs) and so we get to the next stop one away from mine and she was like, well, this is the last one. They're going to unload the train. And I, w- I just rolled my eyes and kept looking at my phone. <laughs> and, you know, a bunch of people get off or whatever. Listen to the music or something. So I was, but it, like she was right here. Oh, you know, so okay. like right on my, you know, or not like right in my ear, but like just right next to me. So it was hard oh, to like drown it out, you know. And, yeah. the, and then like once you're aware of something like that going on, you can't tune that out. Because, right. dude, if, if, like, all these people were about to get off the train, I was going to stop them. Yeah, because you'd feel bad, like, oh, man, I could have, Right, you know. well, <laughs> wait. So, <laughs> you know, and so, like, so like part of me wanted to pay attention at this point. And, like, the other thing was I, I was listening to a podcast. So, like, 
it wasn't like I had continuous music. It was oh, I see. You know, so uh, and then I was just pausing it, you know, kind of thing because I just couldn't. And like it, it caused me not to be able to like settle on listening to one thing because I was like, <clears throat> like this isn't right. Like this doesn't feel right. You know, like this woman's making me so anxious. This doesn't. Feel, you know, it just the whole thing was making me anxious. And so <laughs> we get. So then we pull up to that stop. She says everybody's going to board the train. Nobody gets off the train except for the people that are usually going to get off the train including her and i'm like god damn it now this woman's really pissing me off because Mm -hmm. like at this point like she's just causing stir and not following her own fucking bullshit if she gets off the train fine whatever but like she's not even going by her own advice Right. It's almost like she's giving people false advice to dupe them into getting Ubers or something. Yeah, or something. Dude, dude, hey, there's a theory. Maybe it's big Uber. Maybe they're just, you know, trying to force people off the train. Maybe they're sending these crazy lady onto the train. Or maybe she was racist. That that could be the case, too. Uh, There's all kinds of possibilities here. I haven't really thought this through now that you talk about it. But yeah. um, So we're getting to the middle stop where I'm going to get off. And I was like, I'm telling these people before I leave. That this goes all the way to Fort Worth. Like, they're going to learn today. (laughs) Going to learn today. Going to learn today. No, but, like, seriously, I was like, I'm telling these people when I get off. And so, so, (laughs) we get to the station or whatever. She's still going on and on and on, dude. The whole, like, she went on for 15 minutes straight. And everybody's like, really? You know, and all the kinds of people are just saying, like, oh, I've been taking this train for years. And that's not how it's ever worked before. And she's like, ah, well, you know, I that's what happens. I ride this all the time, you know, blah, 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 you know, that kind of thing. Dude, I'm just like, you are a fucking idiot. And so, so then, like, it, we get to the point where I'm How getting off. How old was this lady? Do what? How old was this lady? Do you this think? lady was probably in her 60s. Okay. I would say. Sounds like my uh, crazy neighbor. There's, there's a, a good chance. Yeah. Okay. Something okay. like that. All right. And so, I was like, well, so I'm getting off the train. So I stand up and everybody's kind of working their way down the stairs because I'm on the top of the car. And she puts the sack down in my seat whenever I stood up, which I don't care. I'm getting off the train anyway. And all these people are looking real nervous or whatever. And I turn around and I look at her and she looks at me and I, I turn around and look at all those people. I was like, hey, guys, don't listen to a word she says. She's fucking crazy. <laughs> He said it just like that. Absolutely. I was like, this train goes all the way to Fort Worth. And she looks at me and was like, hey. And I was like, hey, nothing. Stop <laughs> talking. And I turned around and went down the stairs and left. <laughs> nice. Uh, dude, unbelievable. Unbelievable. And like, I had to be the voice of reason. I had to say something. Right? Yeah. Yep. yep. I did the right thing, right? I like how you delivered it too. Oh, dude, I, dude! I was, people were probably like, "Damn, dude!" Yeah. Because at that point, I was sick of it. I was sick yep. of hearing it, and it's like, yeah. stop worrying these people their entire way home for no reason. Like, these nice people. It would, it would make sense from the perspective of say it was an overcrowded train, say it was after like a Mavs playoff game or something like that, and there's nowhere to sit, and she's standing and standing room only, is and is trying to work up a ploy to get people to leave the train you know but like what what's the gain there yeah i don't see any gain especially if she's already in a seat other than it's fun (laughs) yeah (laughs) mess with people that's all i can dude if she would have like 
elbowed me and been like, <laughs> I would have been like, yeah. all right, then do your thing. You know, <laughs> but she was serious. You would have been like pretty good. Yeah, pretty good. <laughs> Who am I to play God? I'm not getting involved. <laughs> right. Um. So, man, like, it's one of those things like, yeah, I was probably a prick about it, but like, I'm standing up for the good people. Yep. They don't deserve that shit. They just wanted to take it a nice game. Yeah. Like, they don't need to get on the train and be harassed by some random woman who, you know, and again, I know better, man. I'm from the city. I know better than to listen to somebody like that. But unfortunately, just people don't. And people are too nice. And people are, you know, yeah, whatever. Horrible, like you said. Dude, and so that's when I decided to call her a bitch because it just felt like, you know, yeah. I just had to tell her to shut the fuck up. It just had to happen. <laughs> Great. But the way I turned and surveyed her before I <laughs> and surveyed the crowd, it was like, all right, everybody listen. <laughs> yeah. Like, gather up people. You yeah. would have been fucking falling down those stairs laughing. I wasn't even oh, a little. Man. Dude, the thing about it was I wasn't even a little bit kidding. I would have I would have pointed and laughed at that lady like Kyle, uh, like Vegas Kyle. Dude, yeah, Vegas Kyle. Yeah. <laughs> Certainly <laughs> known for that. With you. <laughs> oh, my God. Can you imagine what he, what he would say? <laughs> Dude, well, like, and that's a, but the thing is, dude, I know that Ky- Vegas Kyle would have done the same exact thing I did. Oh, yeah. It would have been worse. He would have verbally much sooner, dis- too. Oh, my God. But the thing was, like, I knew I had to sit next to this woman. So it was very, like, I, you know. Yeah, you got to put up with it. Yeah. But I definitely wasn't going to let people get off the train. Yeah. If they weren't trying to get off the train. Right, right. Man. Standing up for the people, man. It's what I do. So between nearly getting killed in the back of an Uber this week. <laughs> at least i was able oh and by the way i forgot to tell you on the uber thing i gave that guy one star for sure oh yeah yeah um but at least on the with the the uber thing it was just me but like i'm not trying to make a bunch of people wait at a mcdonald's at 11 o'clock at night like come on what are we doing here yeah, yeah. at least sure. if i got smacked by a mac truck that'd be the end of it yeah either that or it'd be a hell of a blog <laughs> <laughs> yeah how i ended up in the hospital oh my god could you imagine yeah. Heavens I wonder help what us. Sylvester Workshop would think about that. Dude, you never know. You never, ever know. One of the or Grenovo. Yeah, or Grenovo, dude. I'm waiting. I'm looking forward to the next Grenovo blog. Yeah. He's been a little quiet lately, but the thing about blowing up sheep was just unbelievable. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you, yeah. Maybe eventually we can get him on the show. I hope so. What was with the Grateful Dead thing? I don't know. That one really like struck a chord with me because he's writing and it's all about LeBron and this and that. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the last two paragraphs, Grateful Dead. Yeah. <laughs> accusing his stoner friends of, of what? Hold on. I'm going to pull this up real fast because there's one particular line that just had me rolling when he was talking about it. He was talking about the Grateful Dead and he said, in high school, I worked with a... Oh, no, this was it. In high school, I worked with a guy at Dwayne Reed who was all about the Grateful Dead. This guy consumed more acid, bong, resin, and Doritos than anyone I've ever seen. <laughs> what a lunatic. I love it. Man. He might be a genius, though. I don't know. He called me a genius, so I don't know. We're, we yeah. we have a weird thing going on. I'm not really sure what's going to happen think, yet. I think you two have a... like uh, Y'all are a little bit on the same wavelength. I, I can, I can kind of tell. Yeah, we're a little strange. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah but you call things as they are and it's just like so be it that's the way it is it got us, yeah that's just the way it is it's gotten us here hadn't it right but i mean i just think that i feel like i've had to take a lot of moral stands lately and i don't typically take a lot of moral stands it's not you, you want to associate yeah, you a, leave that for someone else yeah you want to associate a word with me morals not one that always comes to to rush into the front of mind and you know 
that's fine. But like, I'm definitely not going to let good people get taken advantage of in any yeah. way, shape, or form. Yeah. Well, that was a good deed. Yeah. I'm actually doing a good deed on uh, on Monday. Oh yeah. Uh, just confirmed this and found out um, today. Uh, got an offer. Uh, me and uh, another coworker, another manager. I work with, he's been going and, and serving the Katie trail ice house and that kind of stuff. Anytime they do sort of like volunteer type of opportunities. Yeah. And they have the Katie trail. Uh, this is uh, some sort of golf invitation that they're doing okay. on Monday. Um, so I'm going to take part in volunteering that at some part of the day. I don't know if it's morning or afternoon, but I'm going to get that set up and uh, found out today that uh, Jason Garrett and Troy Aikman are our special guests at the event. Red J. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. So should be interesting. Yeah. Me and my manager are like, oh, this is going to be great if we get to talk to those guys. Whenever um, whenever I first started working on Wall Street, I had uh, I worked with a, a buddy of mine who's a quiet friend of the show. Uh, you know him better, best as One-Eared Ivan. And yep. One-Eared Ivan is one of the better people I've ever known in my whole life. That guy is the most solid dude, but he is a shit show when he starts drinking and one time we whenever we first started we had to work this weird ass schedule we were working 10 hour days and we were working like monday tuesday thursday friday and so we had wednesdays off and so we'd always just go out to the golf course and just get fucking housed and play some golf and (laughs) and so one eared ivan one day is playing and this dude hits this errant shot against a tree that comes (laughs) flying straight back at me and absolutely conks me right in the shoulder. Wow. Daddy I mean, check moment. Oh, my God, dude. He hit this thing with so much power, and it went straight off a tree about 10 feet away and came straight back at me and hit me. <laughs> I was like, Jesus. And, and, of course, I turn around and look at him, and he's just falling down laughing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's what you do. Your friend gets hurt and something. Start laughing, do. dude. Yeah. <laughs> hey, if I were in his his boat, I would have done it too. Right. To be fair. Yeah. But every time I think about, you know, company, you know, workplace type golf outings and things like that, that's the first thing that jumps into my mind is <laughs> we were because we were practicing for like the summer tournament or whatever. And so we were that's what we were doing, except we were, you know, pounding beers in the mid time. And yeah, one year diving just hauled off and hit a tree and nearly killed me. And you play golf much uh lately? Uh, not as much lately, but I'm going to as we get towards the season, and that kind of teases something that we've got video production-wise coming that uh, I think everybody's going to really enjoy. Yep, yep, so, can't wait. Yeah. One thing that I want to do, though, that I haven't done in a while in this coming, uh, or uh, golf season is to go and play a nine-hole course with a pitching wedge and a putter. Oh, yeah. I love doing that. Funny. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't even want to do it to be funny. I just want to go do it just to prove that I still can. Yeah. Eh, you know, like, it's always funny. You run into like 10 year olds out there and they just fucking love that. They're like, that's the coolest thing I've ever seen. It's like, right. It's yeah. Par three course. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Anyway. But yeah, man, the other thing that we've been up to is we finally finished. Uh, we've been watching a ton of TV. We finished true detective. But before we get into that. Yeah. I've got to tell you about the Michael Jackson thing. Yeah. Um, you and I have been texting a little bit about this. I know it was on HBO. I believe it's on Hulu as well. Yeah. Hulu, is that? Yeah. I think so. Uh, I know a few people have seen it, but I uh, definitely want to hear your take on it. What uh, What do you know about it? Let me ask you that first. 
Well, I know a little bit of the backstory. It's about these two uh, boys who, you know, uh, they had defended uh, Michael even up to the trial that happened in the 2000s. Um, and all of a sudden they've, they've both come out and said, well, you know, that was, it was all a lie. This really happened. And uh, they kind of just make their case in terms of, uh, you know, their perspective on, on what went down. Yeah, man, I would say that's pretty, I mean, that's a pretty big or a good overview of what happened because, man, like, first of all, all this stuff has been out there for years. Like, this is nothing really new, uh, but they told their stories, like, specifically with details. And even though it's all been out there for years, I've known about all this stuff for so long, but, like, it's, like, details. Like, yeah explicit details and so it's in two parts we watched the first part and i couldn't sleep that night really i couldn't sleep dude because it was that jarring and you know me man i don't spook like that at all like yeah you usually are a suspect and anytime anybody comes out and you're just like eh, i don't know yeah you know like, yeah i never you never take things at face value exactly i'm a very yeah exactly like i think about it and so i'm i'm quick to uh, i will be quick to judge certain things like that but like man it is it was chilling really and truly chilling yeah. and it was really really hard to shake loose from i guess that night like i don't know what it was other than the fact that i just i could not get past the imagery because it was such rich imagery of stuff that is absolutely just like disgusting. you say imagery uh you're talking about how things are described or a like, combination of that with like photos from like you know the the crime scene oh, or you know, all of the above all yeah. of it like the you and i talked about this already uh this was off air but uh, like having the bells that are down the hallway so you can hear if somebody's coming, like them running all these drills to make sure that they could get their clothes on quickly enough if somebody came, and like just the graphic detail of like Michael masturbating with the kid and like, oh, dude, Jeez. graphic. And, wow. you know, like, again, a lot of that probably known makes a lot of sense, right? Like, not shocking, but like there's an element of it that is so bone chilling because it's legitimate relationships with children like like fake wedding ceremonies like it would do wild wild detail wow. and the second one was better uh because it didn't go into like all the sex detail and stuff like that so the second one got more to the trial and you know both trials and mm -hmm. you know like what he did and like I mean, they put pieced all the, all of it together, and like a lot of people have said that these guys aren't telling the truth, dude. They had a ton of commonalities. They didn't really know each other. It, it felt yeah, because one of the guys like spoke out first, right? Yeah. He was the one that wanted to be a dancer, and then the other guy was like, "Wow, everything he's saying is lining up with what happened to me." And so yeah. he came out, right? Well, dude, and the thing about it is, the one of the guys was the main choreographer, the choreographer for In Sync. So like he like grew up dancing, learned dancing from Michael Jackson. I mean, there's nobody better to learn from. Right. So that already on your resume gets you pretty much Job. to the front yeah. of the line. Absolutely. The and he's right. damn talented, obviously. 
Yeah. And like there's there's all kinds of footage of him in this documentary like working with Justin Timberlake and all those guys and like it's crazy dude. But man, the way they put all the pictures together and to back up for a second, the way that these relationships started in the first place are insane. Like literally became one of the family. Like would come over to like you know like found out about these kids who like danced like he did and like was just delighted by them and wanted to put them in his show and just like were starstruck by Michael Jackson like holy crap you know and like the family too and like he's just like this little nine-year-old and like you know because that was always his kind of like personality and all this and like the way the family like like because they had like the family on there and everything talking about this and the way they all talked about him like he was their son I mean both of the mothers were like he was like my son like literally like it was that comfortable with the family to be that yeah, close. Notice, notice she said he w- he was like my brother. Right. She said he was like my son. Right. Right. That yeah. already should clue you in. Well, yeah, I guess I didn't really think about that, but more just that. Yeah. But like, I think what, what they meant, though, is in the demeanor. Oh, right. Because right. that's how he acted. He always acted like he was nine years old. Yeah, he always acted like a little boy. Yeah. And yeah, we'll get into what I what my theory is before I watch all of this. Yeah. Uh, here. I want to, dude. I got it. You got to watch. So okay. So we'll we'll get into that minute. But anyway, so like, the other cool thing about this was that well, cool, (laughs) cool is antiquated, I guess here. But like the really well done. So it's really really well done. Everything's sewed together really nicely. There are pictures of all this. Like the story is told. Like there's drone footage at Neverland, and there's drone footage of his homes and all this. You know, and like pictures of like all of the family together with him and you know like just the way that it all kind of manifested and like it it, like the fact that he would talk on the phone for like five hours at a time to the the boy and when he was on tour and all this shit but the way that this was filmed was so cool because like so whenever you think about like los angeles you think about like the warm sunny sun on your face beverly hill you know the the stereotypical los angeles Yeah, yeah yeah and it was filmed, well, obviously all this took place mostly in Los Angeles. And so it was mostly like, it was filmed in a very bright and sunny way, but the whole story gave it such weird undertones that it just mm. felt like you're looking at the seedy underbelly of Los Angeles, mm. which was really fucking cool, to be honest. And like, so I'll give you an example. So they'd be showing drone footage of Neverland Ranch. Yeah. And you'd, you're looking at this. It's so well kept. It's an amazing place. You're like, this place is fucking gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Except for the fact that kids got raped all over it. You know, wow. so it's like, so like as soon as you start being lulled into the beauty, you're like, ugh. You know, like at the same time, it's like that seedy underbelly of actual truth that's just yeah. chilling. So kind of like, like if whenever you think about Kevin Spacey as an actor and all the great roles he's been in, you're like, oh, he's so great. And then all of a sudden you start thinking Ugh. about yeah. who he is. And like, yeah, Except yeah. just apply that to a place instead of a person. But yes. Yeah. 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 So it's really well done. You got to watch it, dude. It's okay. You, you definitely got to watch it. You're, you're going to be well, upset. I'm definitely going to watch it. Yeah. And I'll be upset because I'm, you know, grew up big fan of uh, Michael Jackson. Of course. Family videos, Ryman and Diaper dancing to uh, Beat It or whatever it was. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, so, you know, and I always go into things with an open mind and I definitely did not want any of this stuff to be true as I was growing up. But but at the same time, you cannot help, you know, just how how batshit crazy he is. 
Dude, uh, it's disgusting. A lot of that has to do with his upbringing. I mean, there, it's been well documented that his father was abusive to him, um, wanted to keep him in that role. You know, the, this goes back to the Jackson Five, right? Sure. So, you know, Michael was an amazing singer in the Jackson Five. And, and um, you know, of course, there's rumors and speculation. I know Joe Rogan speculated about this, but uh, there's a lot of other people, too, that Michael was chemically castrated in order to keep his voice at that octave at that level to where he can continue that way. Yeah. Yeah. I've never heard that before. Is that a conspiracy theory? I I don't know if it's conspiracy, but it's one of those theories, but you know, it it would kind of make sense because you listen to his brothers. Those brothers sound like that. Janet sure as hell doesn't sound like that. Don't you You think that they could have worked on his voice box or something though, too? Maybe. Yeah. It could have been manipulated, but again, you know, if you think back to the, I don't know. When was that? The seventies? Um, I don't know. I don't yeah. know if that was possible back then, but 80s. yeah. So you look at his upbringing and everything and how he, um, you know, how, how much, uh, abuse and just, uh, not the, not having the ability to really be a kid. And it kind of just, uh, mentally, you know, kept him locked away to where when he's adult, he's still a little kid. He's still, you know, he felt like he missed out on that. So you get that, that sort of perspective, like, okay, you can kind of see, you know, just being, you know, playing this out objectively, why he has kids around and and he's trying to, you know, he has this sort of kid-like sort of personality. Okay, get that. But when, and this is just sort of the details I know, it's kind of like, okay, so the parents and the family's about to go, out of town on a family trip and then Michael throws a fit and is just like, no, I really want Joey to stay over and he can stay over with me for a week and stay in my bed. That should be a warning red flag. Number one for whoever the parents are. And, but at the same time, this little kid's trying to make it big. And, you know, at the time we're talking early nineties, late eighties, you got child actors all over the place, you know, Macaulay Culkin, which coincidentally happened to be over there, but, uh, and I don't think anything happened with Macaulay, but because he was already famous and everything. But, you know, it's just kind of like they look at it at, in a ways which is a very messed up approach of, oh, well, it, it's okay. He's going to spend time with Michael and then um, this is going to get him ahead into having a career, you know, something like that. So I'll be interested to know how you feel about it after you watch this because I okay. don't know that you're going to continue to feel the way you do. Um, okay. But also the way it organically manifests is unbelievable because what I'm like, I can't stress enough when I say that these people felt like this was her son or their son, like one of their children. And dude, he just, so I get what you're saying about very manipulative almost because I get what you're saying about how he is a kid at heart and he wanted to have kids around and all that. Right. I get that. But dude, the, some of the stuff he did is bad. So anyway, I don't want to ruin any more than that for you. I can't wait to hear what you think of this whenever it's done, though, because it is. Well, yeah, and I, want, I just want to talk real quick about the the huge Michael Jackson fans that are just like already, you know, anytime some documentary is going to oh, yeah. come out like this, they're going to be like, no, I object. I'm not going to watch this filth. It's all lies, you know, um, but or Michael. Yeah. But if you're if you're such a fan of Michael and everything like why not watch it? You know, you could watch it and then be like, yeah, that's bullshit. That's bullshit. Yep. That's, that doesn't line up with real events. If you happen to know there, who knows, maybe you've visited Neverland Ranch 20 times in your life and you know a little bit more about what goes on there, how it's operated. But 
at the same time, do you really know what happens behind closed doors? And, you know, so I'd be interested to see what I look for in the documentary is if they show like blueprints of the house and, and yep. if some of these accounts really line up with all that, you know, it would be, I'd be interested to see that. So I'm definitely going to go in with an open mind and I feel like everybody else should too, you know, even say if like your favorite singer, or my favorite singer had, yeah. you know, you know, I would definitely want to pay attention to it. I love and, MJ, dude. I love his music. Yeah. yeah. I'm not going to stop listening to it because of this, but I don't really actively listen to it, but I don't oh, turn sure. it off. But yeah. Like, I don't expect to either. I, it, I'll just tell you, it lines up. Mm. Sure does. Sure well, as hell does. So, but the way it lines up is flabbergasting. So, I can't wait to hear what you think about it. Can't wait. Okay. To- yeah. I'll check it out. Yeah. Um, let's chat about True Detective season three. Yeah. So, yeah. So, we go to ultimate spoiler one, alert, one by the way. thing to uh, another thing. Yeah. yeah and- by the way, to our listeners listening right now, um, again, thank you guys for uh, sticking with us here. Uh, so this is going to be a spoiler-heavy review of True Detective, our thoughts on season three. Um, so without further ado, uh, so yeah, the the season revolved around the Purcell case, <clears throat> which took place in 1980 in Northwest Arkansas. Um, a little girl and her brother ends up going missing after riding their bikes. Uh Eventually, the detectives discovered that the little boy uh, died, um, inadvertently had his head uh, busted open, fell on a rock, and then uh, the girl disappeared. Uh, going into 1990, 10 years later, some things had changed, and the girl reappears after her fingerprints are uh, detected, and she's also shown on surveillance. And so that in, ends up uh, with this whole mystery of like, okay, where's this girl been the last 10 years and, and what's been going on? Um, but yeah, we're first introduced by these two detectives. If you want to take over that part of it. Yeah, man. So, oh, take us into the detectives. I want to give you thoughts more than anything. Okay. Yeah. So detectives, uh, we got, uh, Wayne Haynes and, uh, we also have, uh, the other detective played by Stephen Dorff, which is Roland West. Uh, Wayne Haynes was, uh, Marshall Ali, who the two of these guys were incredible together. Uh, they had some of the best chemistry, probably better uh, rivaled probably the, the chemistry of, uh, McConaughey and Harrelson, um, in, in the first season. I mean, these guys were electric. I I definitely see now. I mean, I've always heard that Marshall Ali is a really excellent actor. Definitely saw that with this season, knocked it out of the park. Um, so those two and their dynamic together was great, but yeah, they, you could tell they, they had a very close, um, you know, uh, partnership, uh, being detectives, uh, the state detectives. And then, um, you know, they kind of drift apart and come back together because, you know, life happens. Um, but man, uh, I just thought it, the, the storyline was really good and how they tracked everything down, uh, pretty much discovering that, uh, you know, it almost turns in the, the twists of like, it looked like there could have been a pedophile ring that was going on, which kind of harkens back, kind of mirrors what happened in season one. Yep. Um, and you think it's going down that route, I mean, up to like the final episode, which that's what I like that they pulled their punches. Cause the thing about season one, man, it's like, they, they pretty much blew everything out there to where you kind of knew what was happening. You knew a little bit how it's going to end, you know, there's going to be a shootout and this and that, but this one, it's just kind of like, man, I really don't know who done it, you know? Yeah. I, I'm with you. I, my thing, man, was that. So I felt like the coolest scene was whenever 
the dude had the claymore at the at the door and blew the guys oh, up in his front yeah, yard. Yeah, the guy that the trash collector guy. Yeah, the trash man. Yeah, trash man. It just felt like it kind of blew its load too early. Yeah, for a lack of better terms. And after that, I was kind of on it. You know, like I, it just felt like it wound up a lot, but it wound up too quickly. So in, in terms of like action scenes, is that what you're talking about? No, just the story in general. The way it was told, it felt like it unraveled a little bit too quickly for me. Like it 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 overall needed to kind of play out a little bit slower. Like like so for instance, like the black guy just showing up with the one eye and just blurting out all of what happened at one time felt like a weird thing. Well, that was that was the final episode. Well, right, but like it it didn't leave anything for you to understand, like to put together in your brain. It's like it's like if I tell you a whole story or something, you know, like you see a whole movie or whatever, and I turn around and tell you what happened at the very very end. Like you're like, well, yeah, I saw it, but I that could have been told in six episodes versus ten, or I think it was eight, but still. Yeah, I get your, what you're saying, but I, I kind of felt like that was against what season one did. Because yeah, season one did true. that. And then everybody was just like, oh, well, this is what happened. Is this, this, and this. And then, it turned, sure enough, it happens. But throughout this this season, that's why I kind of wish you had watched it with me while it was going week by week. And I, you had the wait on the new episode. There were all kinds of theories out there on the forums. And that's that's where I think that's, I think this, that's kind of where things kind of get lost in translation is binging a show versus having to be forced by HBO to watch it every Sunday. And then yeah. you're thinking about it. I don't like, think oh, it has. I, I think I would have thought this no matter what happens, dude. Really? Yeah. I, that doesn't usually change much for me, actually. See, that's for me. That's like, I, I don't know, maybe because I like uh, reading novels that are have a little bit of a mystery to them. Yeah. I like to get to the very final page and then be like, OK, that was satisfying. I did not see this coming and this coming and this coming. Right. And that was fantastic. But I don't need it told back to me is the problem. Like a lot yeah. of that stuff you could kind of put together, but they didn't tell it in an artful way. They did, he just like vomited all over the the end of it. Yeah, but again, I don't know how you would do any of that. I don't either. I'm not saying I'd rewrite yeah. it, but I'm just saying that that's what I didn't like about it. I lo- okay. I loved it. Otherwise, mm-hmm. that's just something that I don't like when any show does, and no, no matter what the show is. Gotcha. Um, I don't like it being spoon fed to me. I like to have to think about the ex or like the complexities and the actual emotion of what's going on. It's like watching Breaking Bad. You have to like. It's not just about watching Breaking Bad and Walt being absolutely batshit crazy. It's about feeling that Walt's in trouble. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's the same kind of thing. And so I like to be able to kind of think about. I don't know. I, I like to kind of think about it and be able to put everything together in my head the way it's supposed to go. It, d- it doesn't have to paint the picture for me necessarily. It paints me enough pictures to use my logic to put it together. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So it's a little thing. Other than that, the acting was incredible. The story was great. It was better than the first two seasons combined. It yeah, was, I agree. It, I thought it was great. I'm glad I watched it. I'll definitely watch season four. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I mean, he, He's already got that finished, and he's about to start on season five, writing that. So, it's already yeah. written, right? It's not done. Yeah. Okay. It's already written. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I liked it though, man. Good good suggestion overall. Um yeah, we'll watch season four. 
Yeah, definitely. Um, there's been some things I've been thinking about with that show, and there's there's actually some theories out there because people always like think about it like, well, what if what if this was all a dream for Wayne? You know, like like Purple Haze, you know, all that stuff. But uh, you know, what I really liked about it is his character was experiencing you know the post post traumatic stress from Vietnam mm-hmm. and didn't know how to live with it, so he kept going and being a detective and he was a tracker and it was that part of it was awesome. I thought the camera work was great too with that. But um, you know, it was uh it was real interesting to see kind of like the flashbacks and how he was seeing, you know, the the Viet Cong and, and the Vietnam era and then his dead wife behind him who was talking to him when he's older and that kind of stuff. Uh as well as the very end scene where He's sitting there watching his kids ride the bikes down the street, just like the Purcell kids did. Mm. And of course, he's got uh, Stephen Dorff behind him and stuff. And then he has a flashback to when him and Amelia, you know, his wife made things work, left that bar. And then you see the flashback to him and the jungles of Vietnam. I kind of wish there was a little bit more flashbacks to Vietnam, to be honest, because I thought that was really cool. I don't know, though, because I think that that so I agree with you. I thought it was really cool, but I also felt like that added to the mystique. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Remember when Sam got into using the word mystique? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, mystique. Yeah. Yep. No, but it did, though. It really added to that, and it didn't give you too much. It, like, he got to talk about being a tracker, but he didn't really... Right. You and, know. and even the flashback with uh, his, his his dead wife, um, you know, and she's just like, oh, are you afraid they're going to find out what you did? And so that alluded to something. You're just like, oh, what? shit. You know, because yeah. it's really his subconscious coming out. You know, that's what I kept thinking about, yeah. especially when she was like coming in like, well, what if what if the girl didn't die? And this, this and this. And some people are like, uh, you know, like, why is this ghost thing here? But it's really his subconscious speaking to him. Yeah. And, you know, with the post-traumatic stress, like that's his way of like, oh, you know. But so what did you think whenever he ended up finding um, Julie Purcell and she's, you know, married with that kid? or that guy that used to be the kid mm-hmm. in the, in the school that they went to school together, you know, little Mikey or whatever his name was. And, uh, she's with her daughter and all of a sudden, uh, you know, purple haze is there and he's just like, he forgets where he is, gets the glass of water. And you see that look in his eye, like, Oh, I remember like, that's, that's definitely her. And they're just like, okay, well you have a good day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. He definitely knew. And she knew too. Right. You could, I mean, Right. I don't know. I, I don't think she knew. She just she she kind of felt like it was puzzled, but she probably just thought he was just the lost old guy. But the well, fact that his son didn't throw away the address makes me think that he's going to uncover it and unravel it. So I thought that, too. But the more I thought about it, I'm not sure. I don't know. What do you mean? Well, I don't know that he didn't keep that because he was worried about his dad. I don't know if that he, he was really going to be going down that rabbit hole himself. Well, it's just an address. Why wouldn't he throw it away? That's why you see him hesitate, and instead he puts it in his pocket. What if his dad shows back up there again? I don't know if his dad would remember the address. Well, but he doesn't know that. Remember, he doesn't know what his dad's mental state is at all. Oh, yeah. So yeah, that's that, that. That's the, the lens I was looking at it for. Uh, what You brought this up a second ago. Dur- like After the, like, the whole flashback scenes with his wife and everything, when it's his subconscious talking to him, did you think that the car outside with the one-eyed band, did you think that was real? <laughs> Man, there were times I thought he was uh, like yeah. it was a figment of his, na- his imagination. But let's uh, let's go to the one-eyed man real quick when they're in the house. <laughs> yeah, and he's like they're walking away and they're like they're like nope, there's a gun. You do it yourself. Yeah, 
and they're walking away. He's like, you've got to punish me. Come back and punish me. And I was laughing my ass off. Dude, yes. Yes. It's really <laughs> weird. The one-eyed so man. Uh, oh, and then... Um, the, the other and, weird subplot yeah. that I never really wrapped my head around is why did the son have to be porking the interviewer? Yeah, so I caught on that too. I was talking about this with one of my coworkers because he was watching the show and he totally missed that. And I was like, "No, it's it's obvious because he had that talk with his son, which was a little ambiguous if you if you didn't see the previous episodes, yeah, where he's like talking to him about did I what teach you to be better or whatever? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, because it all correlates to that episode where he meets the interviewer at her hotel room, walks in, you see two wine glasses, you see the beds a mess. Obviously, some people have been rummaging around, and he's like, "Oh, sorry, am I interrupting something?" And she's like, "No, no, I'm just having a drink by myself." And he just looked at the wine glass like, okay. Hmm. Yeah, he put two and two together. Yeah, he was not a not a stupid man. Hmm. But I liked uh, how he talked to his wife, that dynamic. Uh, first off, what was with all the wall sex? Like, that was a just A lot of like, wall sex, right? A lot of wall sex, yeah. I don't know. I guess that was a thing back in the 80s. I don't know. But... Um, <laughs> Hair and wall sex. Yeah. But I, I liked when they're, uh, you know, going back and forth, talking at the bar or whatever. And I think this is in 1990. And she's just like kind of belittling him and his manhood and stuff like that. And he's just like, you know, well, who do you think you are? Some pretty bird going around shitting on people's heads. <laughs> I was like, damn, he just said that. Reminds me of the time I got shit on by a bird. <laughs> right. Not awesome. Yeah. But yeah, overall, I thought it was uh, I thought it was fantastic. Good, man. Yeah, I did too. I enjoyed it. All righty. Well, we're going to go ahead and wrap things up. Quick hour we got through here. I want to remind everyone, make sure to follow us on social media, on Twitter, at Sensibly Loud, on Facebook, Sensibly Loud Media, and make sure to check out our Instagrams for The Outfielder, as well as Sensibly Loud, at Sensibly Loud. We will be back next week with an episode of Sensibly Loud Radio. Take it easy, man. Yep. See you later.